Welcome to the Packer Mentality Podcast, where we will discuss Packer news, roster decisions, and when the time comes, actual games. My name is Patrick Corrigan. I'm your host. I grew up as the son of a college football coach. I played the game, was a quarterback actually, and I followed the Packers, have followed the Packers for most of my life. I am also a Packers shareholder. I'm going to try and make some sense of the nonsense you see in the news or on social media. You can also find me on Twitter at Packer Mentality. Please bear with me. I'm just a one-man show. I would also greatly appreciate it if you could like and hit the follow button to be alerted when I upload a new episode. Obviously, your options may vary depending on what platform you are listening on. And if you wouldn't mind... If you like what I do or enjoy hearing news uh, about the NFL and the Packers, please share with your family, share with your friends, or just another NFL fan. Everybody's welcome. Now, there's a lot going on in the world, and a lot of it isn't good. And I normally keep my views and politics separate and to myself, but this is going to be one of those occasions. Now, I want to come out and say that I support a woman's right to make her own decisions regarding her body. And last week's decision by the Supreme Court, I think it was a tragic move in the wrong direction. I respect people's rights to disagree. And if you happen to be one of those people, you are perfectly welcome to keep that opinion to yourself. I'm not here to argue with you. Moving on. Let's be honest. Uh, I'm going to be honest, today's episode has changed several times in my head, and I originally wanted to discuss Packer quarterbacks, but with all the huge wide receiver deals that have gotten handed out, I wanted to find a way to tie things together in a way that was relevant to the Packers. So first, we're going to discuss how teams may react to the very costly wide receiver contracts. Then we'll revisit some Packers history and come back to the Packer quarterback situation and briefly touch on receivers and offensive line and some of the other recent news and rumors. With Terry McLaurin getting a three-year, $71 million deal with $50 million guaranteed, uh, that puts him in the top five of the best-paid wide receivers in the NFL makes Devontae Adams' deal with the Raiders look pretty affordable. Uh, This does not change anything about the Packers uh, having to trade Devontae Adams or any of the decisions there. I already covered that in a previous episode, and all that still stands. But Devontae is still a much better receiver right now than Terry McLaurin. However, this contract makes it appear that they're close, and unfortunately, that's not the case. Uh, Receiver contracts are going to get very expensive for number one ride receivers based on this, and it's even going to drive up prices for guys that are the number two and number three. Basically, the case where the rising tide is going to uh, float all boats. This is going to force, probably going to force some NFL teams to rethink their strategy and treat receivers like quarterbacks or running backs. 
they may look to draft receivers or multiple receivers every year and try to get the most out of them on their rookie contracts and then let them go and hope the next guy is ready to replace him. Yeah, draft guys early and develop. I uh, hope you can develop into, into a star before you have to pay them uh, and then you know either let them go or trade them. Teams do that now for running backs, although part of the issue with running backs is that they take such a pounding that a lot of them are not the same once they get past their rookie deals. Uh, quarterbacks are probably a better comparison right now. I want to remind everybody that the NFL changed rookie contracts, uh, particularly first-rounders, after Sam Bradford was drafted first in 2010 and received a monster he received the last monster rookie deal, monster rookie deal, monster rookie, monster cookie, cookie monster. Sorry, <laughs> just kind of stuck in my head there. Um, anyway, uh, Bradford's deal was $78 million with $50 million guaranteed, and he didn't come anywhere close to living up to that deal. Rookie deals had the change. NFL made the change, so... Uh, Basically, to uh, even the make the making make it uh, fair for the veterans who actually had you know had history to back up their deals. Now, first round picks are in team control and at mostly reasonable prices for uh, four years with the fifth year option. Since that change, most of the teams without a Hall of Fame quarterback in place since 2010 uh, have had to try and mostly be unsuccessful to draft their franchise quarterback and win a Super Bowl before having to decide whether to pay him on his second contract. Rookie deals are much more affordable now, but that has not improved anyone's ability to draft the guy at quarterback. We can take a look at how bad NFL teams are at drafting quarterbacks in another episode. And trust me, I've done the research, and it's pretty pathetic how awful some teams are in drafting quarterbacks. Just awful. Most of the league, actually. 95% of the league doesn't seem to be able to get it right. And in case you're wondering, just one team has had the same Hall of Fame-bound starter since 2010. And if you haven't figured it out, I'll just let you know, it's Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers. And so far since 2010, only Andy Reid in Kansas City has won a Super Bowl with a quarterback he drafted and is on a, his rookie contract. Uh, that guy is Patrick Mahomes. So this shouldn't be a surprise that Andy Reid did this. Andy Reid has experience developing quarterbacks. Now, some of you may know or remember that he was once an assistant coach for the Packers, and that time period is what I want to remind people of. Uh, Green Bay and its fans have been blessed with three consecutive decades of Hall of Fame quarterback talent taking the field just about every week. But while we watched Favre and Rodgers, there was a parade of late-round picks and or undrafted free agents sitting behind our MVP Hall of Fame quarterbacks. Packer fans were only a serious injury to Favre or Rodgers away from seeing a guy who, at this point, we probably can't even recall their name, having to read the offense, lead the offense. 
this is not a knock on the type of guy, person any of those guys are, but most of those guys went on to do nothing in the NFL. No other team was interested in most of the Packers' backup quarterbacks. That is a big change from early in Favre's career. While most of Aaron Rodgers' backups haven't gone to much success on the field, for the first eight or so years of his career, Brett Favre had some guys that shared the sidelines with him that went on to be pretty successful leading their own teams. All of those guys, including Favre, have one person to thank for seeing their potential and bringing them to Green Bay, and that is legendary Hall of Fame GM Ron Wolf. Now, Ron came to Green Bay in 1991, and he immediately made two decisions, made two moves that changed everything. He brought in Mike Holmgren as the head coach, and he traded with Atlanta to bring in Brett Favre. Now, this solidified the starting position, and the coaching staff that Holmgren brought in uh, developed the backups into solid quarterbacks that other teams coveted. Now, in 1993, one, late, one year after bringing in Favre, the Packers drafted Mark Brunel out of Washington in the third round. He backed up Favre for two years before he got traded to Jacksonville in 1995. Uh, they traded to Jack, him to Jacksonville for a third and a fifth. Now, remember, they picked Brunel in the third. So basically, they got a fifth round. You know, basically, they got equal value plus a fifth back for Brunel. Brunel led the Jaguars to the playoffs in three of their first four years of existence and took them to two AFC championship games. He made the Pro Bowl three times and is still the franchise leader in most career passing categories for the Jaguars. Most of us know that the Jaguars now is pretty much being terrible, but at one point they were a pretty solid team. Now, five years later in 98, the Packers found another good backup quarterback in the sixth round by the name of Matt Hasselback. He was on the practice squad in 98 and then sat behind Favre in 99 and 2000. Former Packers and new Seahawks coach uh, uh, Mike Holmgren, he traded a first round pick and a third round pick, which was with number 10 and number 72 for Hasselback, uh, swapping uh, first rounders with the Packers. Uh, who were at number 17 at the time. Hasselbeck went on to lead the Seahawks to five state, straight postseasons, including a run to the Super Bowl in 2005, where he might have won a Super Bowl if not for some very questionable officiating. What did these two guys have in common while they were in Green Bay, besides getting to watch five every week, which I admit is a pretty good experience? They were both coached by, obviously, Mike Holmgren, but the coaching staff included uh, some pretty fantastic talent. Uh, Steve Mariucci, who was the QB coach from 92 to 96. Andy Reid was the QB coach from 97 to 98. And the coaching staff also included John Gruden. All three went on to become head coaches, both Andy Reid and John Gruden have won Super Bowls. Say what you want about John Gruden as a person, but he took uh, took a team and won won a Super Bowl. Now Mariucci led the playoffs, led the 49ers to the playoffs in four of his six seasons with them. 
but Andy Reid has proven himself to probably be the best QB coach or developer of talent or whatever you want to call it. He, he churns out winning quarterbacks and quality quarterbacks. Uh, besides Favre, Brunel, and Hasselbeck, Andy Reid also developed Donovan McNabb with the Eagles. McNabb and Reid went to a Super Bowl and were considered Super Bowl contenders for a whole bunch of years while they were together. Uh, Reid moved on to Kansas City, and he drafted Patrick Mahomes. And guess what? He won a Super Bowl with him on Mahomes' rookie contract. Uh, Mahomes is probably on his way to the Hall of Fame. Now, even though Holmgren, Reed, Mariucci, and Gruden left in 98, Ron Wolf was still the GM, and he uh, did it one more time uh, in finding QB talent in 1999 when they drafted Aaron Brooks in the fourth round. Now, he was third string behind Favre and Hasselback before the Packers traded him, and tight end Lamont Hall uh, in 2000 for a third round pick in 2001 to the Saints. So the Packers got a third round pick in 2001 and a linebacker by the name of KD Williams. Now, neither Lamont Hall or KD Williams did much for either team or the rest of their careers. Brooks, uh, while he won't ever be mentioned with the reverence of Drew Brees in New Orleans, Brooks did lead the Saints to their first ever playoff win. And in doing so, he threw four touchdown passes to beat the Rams, and that was in his very first season in New Orleans. Now, he was the starting quarterback for five seasons in New Orleans before the Saints brought in you know, just a guy by the name of Drew Brees in 2006, and Brees turned out okay for them. Ron Wolf retired in 2001 after nine seasons with the Packers, and I want to give the guy credit. Uh, Packers, before, before Ron Wolf got there, they had only four winning seasons in the 23 years prior to his arrival. Uh, under his guidance, Green Bay made the playoffs in six straight seasons and went to two Super Bowls winning one of them over the Patriots. They have been one of the best franchises and annual Super Bowl contenders most years ever since. So let's get back to the present day and the current Packers quarterback situation. Now, the Packers a couple of weeks ago released Kurt Bankert. And so what does that mean? It's pretty simple and straightforward. It means that Jordan Love is isn't going anywhere this season. He's not getting traded and will be the number two behind Aaron Rodgers in 2022 and probably 2023. There were no reports that I heard of of any trade offers for Jordan Love. Green Bay's is super comfortable with their quarterback room that has a reigning two-time NFL MVP and a first-round pick as his backup. That situation is about as good as it gets in the NFL. Just take a look around the league. At least half the teams have a below average starting quarterback right now. And their backup quarterback is probably a dumpster fire waiting to happen. Keeping Jordan Love meant there's no spot on the roster for Kurt Bankert. The Packers generally only keep two quarterbacks on the roster, active roster. And from the timing of 
Kurt's release and his comments about it afterwards, it really sounds like the Packers tried to do right by him, which sounds sounds great. Uh, they could have kept him around as a camp arm and then released him at the end of training camp, which basically would have screwed him. Uh, he would have had very little chance to making any roster at that point. And at this point in his career, Kurt needs to make an active roster to basically continue his career in the NFL. Releasing him in June gives him time to get into training camp with another team and have the entire training camp to make a good case to get onto a 53-man roster. Now, I do want to say, like many of you, I was sad to see Kurt go. If you followed him on social media, you saw what kind of guy he was. Uh, he wasn't going to make a huge difference on the field for the Packers, but he was just uh, a good guy off the field. And if you aren't following him on Twitter, uh, you should give him a follow. From the moment he arrived in Green Bay, he was very active. He shared his family and his life, uh, you know, his trips to trips to Target with his uh, little one. And he really seems like one of the good guys. And I hope he does well. Uh, the Packers did pick up a quarterback uh, to help with some of the reps in training camp. And that guy is uh, Danny Etling. And he possibly might make the practice squad. But as far as a, an actual future with the team, uh, probably not much there. He's actually older than Jordan Love. He's 27. Uh, Jordan Love is only 23. So as we approach the, actually we're at the end of June, I don't foresee any other major roster moves by the Packers before training camp. There's been a lot of speculation that the Packers could trade for a young and possibly disgruntled wide receiver looking for a new contract from his team. You know, someone like DK Metcalf or Debo Samuel certainly would look good in the Packers uniform. While the Seahawks are unlikely to be in playoff contention this year, and I'm sure DK Metcalf might prefer to catch passes from Aaron Rodgers over Drew Locke, I'm pretty sure he's going to get a new deal from the Seahawks. In the case of the uh, 49ers and Debo Samuel, their fans would lose their minds if they traded their best player to a bitter conference rival. They're a playoff team team trying to get to the Super Bowl, and I just don't see the 49ers doing anything to help make the Packers better. Uh, Debo's contract's probably going to happen after they release Jimmy G, which I expect should happen soon, but who knows. Uh, but that's where the money will come from. It's actually just about the right amount of money for, for Debo that uh, would be freed up by Jimmy G. The Packers will most likely go into the season with Alan Lazard, Sammy Watkins, Randall Cobb, Christian Watson, Amari Rogers, and Romeo Dubs as their receiving core. Three of those guys are on rookie deals, and that's a pretty good start. To, you know, going back to our premise that teams may start to, uh, you know, make their wide receivers core as young as possible, develop stars, keep them on rookie deals. Yeah. Possibly one other guy might, one other receiver will make the team, but that receiver probably will be involved a lot in special teams. One other bit of news revolved around the offensive line and the health of David Bakhtiari. 
uh, Coach Lafleur. I'm going to quote him. He said, we fully anticipate him being ready to go, but we did last year as well. So I think time will tell. But we feel good about the work that he's put in and where he's at. So uh, sounds like he thinks Bakhtiari's on track, but uh, he's kind of hedging his bets. So if Bakhtiari is healthy enough to be the starting left tackle to start the season, I think they could stand pat on the offensive line and let the young guys fight it out to determine the two guard positions and the right tackle, unless they feel Yash Neidman can handle the right tackle until such time as Elton Jenkins returns from his knee injury. When Jenkins returns, I expect him to take over as the right tackle, most likely. Now, if Bakhtiari can't go, I definitely expect the Packers to try and find a veteran tackle to solidify one of the starting positions before the regular season starts. That guy could even be a familiar face uh, to the Packers in the form of Brian Balaga, possibly, if he's healthy. He got released by the Chargers in March and is still available. Now, he was did miss most of last season with a back injury, and I haven't heard anything on his injury status. Uh, but if he's healthy, definitely an option for the Packers if they need to. Any other new additions to the roster will probably come during training camp, probably near the end of training camp as other teams release some guys. I'll be previewing each position as we head into training camp, and that will include my thoughts on where the Packers could use some depth. That's going to wrap up this episode. Thank you again for joining me. Have a great 4th of July weekend. Please be safe, be good, and look out for each other. Have a great evening.